0: Welcome to our uh, interviewee for this episode of Gregarious Mammal Podcast. And we have... Now, how do you pronounce your surname? Because a bit of me makes me think it's uh, a Germanic surname, but right. I'm not 100% sure. So how do you pronounce your surname?
1: Uh, well, um, lawana lawana so, so it's, it's like a two-syllable Launa. word, which is almost three. It's like a, oh. yeah. So I say, but it's actually from Switzerland. So, oh, Swiss.
0: so do you have umlauts over the... You?
1: No, no. no. <laughs> well, I, I grew up in Yorkshire so Launer. All right.
2: Launer. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I could've
0: I was about to ask because I was saying maybe thinking maybe Leicester or Leeds. or Sheffield. Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. Now Paul is from a, a company, a project called Biomonkey. Right, yeah. Which we will um, actually no, let's start with you telling us what Biomonkey is or what you want it to be.
1: Yeah, so it's it's more uh, what I want it to be than what it is. Um, so BioMonkey is essentially a biohacking coaching company. So I was, I'm was I'm being trained by Bulletproof uh, for Bulletproof coaching training course. Um, so I'll be a Bulletproof coach, so I'll be helping people be their best selves and feel their best um, by giving them all kinds of uh, advice that uh, if they want it, essentially. But I'll be selling Bulletproof products, I'll be selling like ozone therapy devices and or um, any, anything really, biotech. Um, I'm setting up a biohacking center here in Berlin, so I'll be doing like liquid nitrogen um, ice cream workshops and cooking workshops, nutrition workshops. So anything to do with sciency um, nutrition, basically. Okay,
0: so this is where we already. So the reason why we were interested in having a having a chat in the first place was amongst the many, many, many meetups we now have in Berlin, mm-hmm. one, your one popped up and it said biohacking. And Kate and I's uh, impression of biohacking, mostly because of where Kate has, has been to and her interest, has been the more technological side.
2: Right. Um, and,
0: uh, I actually met a guy in um, CBIT who had, I think, 14 implants <laughs> in his hands. And you could see them. It was a bit... Strange to look at for opening doors, RFID chips, NFCs, right. all sorts of things. But
2: why 14? Did they all have a different I've, function? Or was they all he, had a different function. Or yeah. was he, yeah. um, like, were some of them obsolete and he hadn't taken them out yet? Who knows?
0: Who knows? I think he was possibly on the extreme side. Yeah. But that's this is the interesting thing about a lot of the kind of, the the more technological side of the biohackers is they're, they kind of follow a bit along with the, um the, 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 um, trend, what's the word, the,
2: Transhumanist.
0: Transhumanists, like pushing the envelope of yeah. what humans are going to be. But, but before we, let's just, let's just keep um, keep this, this train going just for a minute. So that has always been our impression of what biohacking was. Sure. I don't know which, where the term originated, but that's generally been our impression because we're mainly tech people. So that's generally been our impression. So that's usually what we thought. People augmenting themselves with some kind of technology. Mm-hmm. And then recently, we've noticed this usage of biohacking in, I guess, what us as not very aware people of this sort of um, field, that we would think of as a diet or yeah. nutrition advice or something like that. Yeah. So is there a difference between things like traditional dieting and nutrition advice and now the more recent uh, use of the word biohacking? Or is it essentially the same with a new spin? Or what's the actual difference between those various fields?
1: Um, well, I think I would say generally it's all biohacking, right? So for me, biohacking is optimizing the inputs, all of the inputs um, into our body so that we feel at our best um, and live long. Um, so right now, um, I'm feeling slightly nervous. So I'm, I suppose I've been interviewed, I'm on camera, um, I've got a slightly nervous swallowing thing. So if I, if, if I was to look around now, Think about the lighting, well, it's not really that sunny today. Um, I've noticed that I'm much more relaxed when I've got full spectrum light. Um, I there's something that I ha- ate this morning which has left me feeling slightly inflamed, um, and so I need to kind of optimize all of that. So, w- what's the air like in here? Is it mold somewhere? I don't know. Um, I suffer from adrenal fatigue slightly. So, I need to optimize a bit better my uh, B vitamins. I'm in ketosis all the time. I don't do carb refeeds. I should do, sorry, Dave. Um, I lo- all that kind of stuff. Um, how did I sleep last night? Um, so, that's kind of biohacking. Biohacking can also be uh, using biotech. Um, like, I have a cerebral electrostimulation device, so I'll put these on my ears and electric frequencies go through my head. Um, and yeah why not update something in your body but personally um, that type of biohacking doesn't really interest me that much because it seems I, seem, I look at it and I kind of think well what's the point really um, why do I want to put something in my body if it's not really going to help and putting something uh, foreign in your body I would say is going to basically send your immune system a bit wired trying to kick it out of your body it's just it's just not natural. So kind of biohacking I'm interested in is more um, working out what Mother Nature wants us to do and trying to match that. Whereas biohacking is just um, I don't know like technological people just having fun really. Although they're not going to like that when <laughs> you interestingly, I was really interested when you asked me to do this podcast because my first our first biohacker Berlin social meeting, this guy came up. Uh, Turned up and he was really disappointed because he was really interested in What uh, biohacking has in implants and stuff and basically thought all the stuff we were talking about um, Was quackery and and he just wanted pure like and so he didn't like the fact that we'd appropriated the term essentially So I wasn't aware of that until I got this invite for this interview until this guy turned up and basically science trolled us life
2: It's it's interesting you say that I mean I have been interested in biohacking for a long time, um, and my interest came about from wearable technology—the idea that you could wear pieces of technology, wear the sensors, forms of um, uh, devices like, a f- like like this, like a Fitbit or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, this one. Yeah, <laughs> and it would—you could use it to get data on your body, your physiological self. That's cool. Um, and it may be data that previously you've not been a- able to access, or that scientifically you've not been able to access. Um, I think personally what appeals to me about biohacking is the idea that we've got all this knowledge and we can become our own self, self-aware self kind mm. of conduit. So that yeah. rather than all the knowledge being at the hands of medical professionals, mm. um, we're able to have some of that knowledge ourselves. Um, I see it in terms of there being a lot of common sense with a lot of this stuff as well. Um, so that you know, you're able to... Obviously, use use wearables to monitor yourself, but also to be aware of risks. Like, um, I think that you made some interesting points with the implants that they can um, can your body reject an implant, and it's it's interesting, you know, because I am um, I've always been quite interested in implants personally, and I see, you know, you can think of them as a continuum of some of the other things that people get implanted anyway from people that are involved in the more extreme side of piercing and, and those sort of things to people that get things like cocky implants or false hips or false knees or, you know, well, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I asked this guy who had this big, honking, huge implant in his hand. I always thought the hand is, whilst some, one of the most convenient, has got to be one of the most painful spots because firstly you put all your nerve sensors in the fingertips. Um, I know from having had three to third degree burns myself, I only got a few scars now, luckily. Um, yeah, they hurt like fuck. <laughs> Even if you burn the nerves off, they still hurt.
1: Oh, good, um, we can swear, can we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Awesome. I'm, I'm Australian. <laughs> Great.
2: Um, but yeah, you know, like the hand has got to be one of the worst spots. And I asked him about did you? why didn't your body try and reject it? Because, mm. you know, you hear people getting a piercing and your body just pretty much pushes it out. And no, I was able to keep it in um so you know i always say to people if they're going to go to that anything that involves putting something into your body whether it's food or some type of um herb or supplement like you know people you talk about hear about people with turmeric implants lately turmeric yeah the, the, the spice spice or root i'm not sure which part of the plant it is um to you know, put, putting stuff physically in your body whether it's an implant or something else.
1: Well, then it slowly releases um, turmeric into your bloodstream. Yeah, okay, basically. Cool. Um,
2: yeah, you just got to be really careful because, you know, and you could say the same for retropathy, arguably. I mean, I hear people talking about, oh, you know, so, say no to big pharma and get So some... actually, well,
0: this is an interesting point. So where, where does... I guess it, I, I, probably the answer is going to be it depends mm-hmm. <laughs> on the person and many other things. But... Like where does biohacking become um, extreme drug taking when or addiction even you know that's mm. possibly that's definitely probably mm. a whole other area but you know um is is biohacking taking cocaine every ten minutes because it keeps you awake is biohacking drinking a shit ton of coffee because it keeps you awake um like when what do you see as kind of the boundaries i suppose or what's the, what's the what's the the most precise definition you can think of
1: (laughs) Um, I think I would draw the line very clearly does it do yourself does it do you or others harm Mm -hmm. and can you control it I would say that that's the line okay okay. Mm. so control is that's a good point control is certainly
0: a very good point
1: is it beneficial for you yeah Mm. if you're doing it and actually it's really not beneficial at all um, that's Got to be towards addiction, okay? Or, or why are you doing it?
2: It's a good point, and when you think of things like microdosing, the idea mm. that you can take minute doses of what was it special? care L- LSD. LSD. LSD? <laughs> it, was, it was one of the drugs. I mean, oh, yeah. clearly, LSD, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not the most clued up on the um, psychotropics um, as a way to kind of monitor or manage. No, no, that's not the right term. Sorry, I'm going to rephrase that. In almost, hearts, m- I think Yeah, they, well, they almost enhance. Harness, right? Yeah,
1: Harness. yeah. Harness.
2: but. Your energy and your mood, I think that's what they were going for. Correct me if I'm wrong. Focus, focus and creativity.
1: creativity, I think, yeah. was the main yeah.
2: thing. Yeah, but it is, it is interesting because I know that there is some a number of research projects at the moment looking at drugs like like Special K and LSD being used for people with severe drug resistance. Special
1: K? What, you mean the cereal? <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> oh, special. K- oh, sorry, ketamine. I mean, I mean, ketamine. Sorry, I'm used to it being called special K. Ketamine is like a horse tranquilizer. from right. Memory. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, But being used in, and again, we're talking very regulated, re- researched kind of stuff for people with drug resistant depression, um, and these are people who have, I might add, in the past either been subject to fairly, you know, fairly intensive treatments like. EC,
1: um, ECG. Think, no. Oh no, electro electroshock.
2: Yeah. EC, ECT. Oh, Sorry, okay. when it was on the tip of my tongue. ECT, or alternatively, um, the brain implants, which is a, a newer one that's been to see, being considered to be very effective. Well, here's an interesting
0: um, question: Is taking um, medication for bipolar biohacking?
1: I suppose it is really, um, but I think what's Key difference, a key difference between, say, normal um, medicine, which the doctor might give you, and yeah. say, a biohacker's approach. If we look at the causes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the fundamental issue? Why is this happening? Yeah. We're not just going to say, okay, this is happening. You have this. This drug will stop that. Because if you don't fix why you've got problem X or yeah. issue X, then you are just going to like put a bandaid over it, and then it's going to manifest itself some some other yeah. way. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I guess actually kind of joining up maybe some of the sides, well, some of the two sides of um, where maybe we both, all three of us have come from in terms of the term biohacking, is um, that you're interested in optimising the inputs into you mm-hmm. and some of the other aspects of biohacking, although I'd actually probably call it quantitative self, really, yeah. to be precise. I would, is then, I would say that's
1: very much... The is it
0: proving, proving or disproving, yeah. hopefully, yeah. whether... Optimizing the inputs has made yeah. a
1: difference. Absolutely, yeah. that's great.
2: A, a question related, I mean, you mentioned, um, well, Chris mentioned diet and you mentioned ketosis. Mm. Um, where, did the, where do you think the interest in the low carb, um, I don't know, diet movement or health, in, health movement has come from? I and mean, why is it so predominant in people involved in biohacking?
1: Um, good question. Uh, results, I would say, it just works. Like, for losing fat, I can't think of a better way than ketosis, dependent on possible other factors, but it just works so incredibly well.
2: And can you describe what it means to listeners that might not be familiar with the concept?
1: Um, Ketosis is essentially when your body uses fat um, for fuel instead of sugar. Essentially, it's that.
2: And my understanding is to get to that state, it requires a... No sugar, um, no carb diet, is that correct?
1: Yeah, so you're normally supposed to eat less than 50 grams of carbs. Yeah. Which is a very small amount. So considering if you have, I don't know, like a a 100 gram bar of chocolate, Mm. that's probably 50 grams of carbs Mm. already.
0: So, I mean, do you think, is there a reason that our, I wouldn't even say our modern diets, but human diets up until this point have generally been so possibly bad for us. I don't know. It feels like sometimes now we say a lot of things that are bad for us that as far as I can tell have been in our diets for a long time. Doesn't mean they were right or wrong, of course, but <laughs> it's just, just is it just because they were easier to grow? or
1: Well, we say a long time. What do we define a long time?
0: Well, like uh, carbs, for example, seems to be generally
2: like which ones you considered mean, right? a
0: bad idea these days, but we've had... Breads and uh, grains and things with high carb value for quite a while. Not um, rice, yeah, I mean just giant... wheat and, and things like that. Mm. It's just because we just didn't know any better, basically, or are they? I don't know. Um, I guess why? Why? Why more recently have we started challenging the the old paradigms? Because we
1: have the ability to do so, I suppose. Um... Well, I, this is kind of like the kind of paleo approach now. Mm. So, the idea is what did we do when we were running around uh, um, okay, yeah. the forest? Yeah, sure. um, and what we were doing was uh, eating, killing, an animal, eating an animal, stuffing our face, all, all kinds of fat and animal product, and then, I don't know, grabbing some vegetables somehow. We weren't doing mass agriculture. So, that's actually in the history of the human being is a relatively um, recent, yeah. recent thing. Yeah. All right. So, we're, so the idea is That's we're not designed <laughs> to feed ourselves. Yeah. From um, calms. So we're designed to have nothing to eat while we're hunting, yeah. and then um, to eat a lot of fat, basically. Yeah. So animal. even
0: like the concept of three meals a day is probably just what we've got used to in the in the modern existence. It may not be the best way to do things.
1: Well, I eat once a day. Okay. Um, so it depends on the person. Mm. So I, um, through excessive ketosis, I um, uh, had problems with adrenal fatigue, which mm. I still have now. Uh, I can fix that, but it's something to be aware of because I stress my body because I fast every single day. Mm-hmm. And then I eat. So I kind of have like a 24 hour fast. Okay. Every day. How's
2: your immune system as a consequence?
1: Um,
2: if that's not too personal a question question.
1: No? Well, I um, I um, I'm not sure how I can really. I mean, I, I'm not looking at the markers for that. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I'm very. I don't have any any health problems. Or such. I don't get mm. ill. Um, sure. No more,
2: no
0: more or less than normal,
1: or you would say maybe even slightly less than normal. Um, Whatever normal. is. I would say. Well, <laughs> I you what is normal, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. Chris. I don't have any indications
2: that there's yeah. an issue with that. It's it's interesting. I have heard similar responses from people who've changed their diet in all kinds of ways, like people who've gone vegan, for example, or people that have removed something from their diet, whether yeah. it's dairy or alcohol or something else. But it shows that there is not one-size-fits-all for any type of food program or Absolutely diet, whatever, you, whatever term you want to use. Um, and I think that, you know, when we talk about the idea of the age of when certain types of food have come into play, you can't remove the reality of how powerful advertising yeah. and how the food lobbies yeah. are, particularly in America and the Western countries. You know, they've got people telling you for how many years that um, carbs are good and fat's bad or yeah. whatever. You know, you could pick any type of argument and find find it a, um, an opposite. And I think... One of the interesting things that biohacking as a movement does encourage, whether it's through um, using using um, wearable devices or food or journal, even old-fashioned journaling, writing down things, mm. is being your, being aware of yourself, mm. being able to monitor yourself, whether you're using an app to monitor your sleep, and you might be connecting that with wearing a sleep monitor of some sort, or you're simply having a, a dream journal or your a fear diary or however you choose to do it. And I think that's quite a positive thing. It's people taking some some ownership of their health in, in, for themselves. And, you know, people can ultimately choose what they do. I mean, I like to drink wine. I'm still going to drink wine, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> Even if I know that drinking wine is the worst thing to do for a good sleep. Um, and I know I'm not alone in that one so I think that's something I like about the, the, the body um, hacking movement and the idea that we see people also using you do have serious health conditions um, diabetes is a very good example um, diabetes is probably one of the most funded health conditions in terms of check at the moment um, we see everything from every end of the spectrum from preventative diabetes pre-diabetes type 1 and 2 um, devices to monitor people's glucose and also treat diabetes because of course we can't actually cure diabetes and I think an interesting there is people using the glucose monitors as a way to measure their body's response when they eat certain foods whether they're a, um, a diabetic or not is quite interesting spoken to a number of people who've been involved in doing that
1: I mean I would say you say you can't cure diabetes I would say you can yeah there's many cases I think
2: thinking type 1 specifically right okay yeah um, type 2 you can absolutely
1: yeah I mean ketosis yeah. for um, reversing diabetes type 2 mm. there's loads of mm. the cases that are. type true. 1 I I'm less familiar with
2: yeah type 1 is, is perhaps got different causes than diet alone so
0: how how much um, let's, let's take you as an example you're the best example you can think of I'm sure <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that but we'll see <laughs> how, how how much time would you say that you spend on a daily basis kind of monitoring the effect that uh, inputs are having to your body
1: um. Actually, not as much as I should do. Okay. Um, I've been experimenting with the inputs and not so much tracking. It's been more tracking how I feel. Mm-hmm. So a bit more kind of holistic, I suppose. Um, so I don't have... I haven't really quantified myself. So I want to do 23andMe genetic testing. Um, I want to be tracking... My blood glucose, I haven't started doing that. I haven't even been tracking my ketones. Mm. Um, so not much, to be honest, but I track how I feel in mm-hmm. response to my inputs.
0: Okay. Um, so, actually, I might continue down this path and then sure. I'll ask you a more pragma- more, much more pragmatic question related to that. Do you wonder if in in yourself or in some personalities it could lead to a little bit bordering on paranoia about... You know, constantly. You know, I think we we all have somewhat addictive personalities, and the modern world makes it very easy to keep checking the the outcomes of things. So, is there a tendency sometimes to maybe make to go a bit too far?
1: Um, Well, I suppose um, you have to ask: uh, Does that fit in with the life you want? And at the end of the day, Um, that's what it depends on. But are you referring to like orthorexia type? I'm not sure, mm. maybe, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think that's what Chris means, where people, because they're eating certain ways, they're um, no, no. very obsessed I, I, and it changes their brain chemistry. No, I didn't
0: even, I meant just like, you know, I can on a daily basis, if I said something on social media, I'm maybe checking every few minutes to see if anyone replied. I'm kind of talking that level of Do just... you mean more
2: narcissistic? No, so the oh. same thing of like,
0: I ate something, what effect did it have on me? Did it yeah. have the effect on me now? You know, kind of just like constant. Maybe it's something else causing that, but just the, just the element of the fact that you're constantly trying things and checking things. So it can end up dominating your life a bit too much sometimes, maybe. I'm not sure. And it, it very much depends on personality, of course. But um, yeah, I don't know if you had any personal experience of maybe at a certain point thinking, I'm, I'm actually causing more damage to myself worrying about it than, than, um, than
1: not even doing it, maybe. Um, well I personally I love it I I love all that stuff Um, I think really from a bulletproof coaching perspective we would look at that as what um, what do you want what is your like purpose what do you really really want like get in tune with your emotions um, bring yourself out of your head make sure you're working towards the life you want and if all this checking and such is excessive and getting in the way of, for instance, starting a family, mm-hmm. hmm. maybe you want to rethink okay. that. Yeah. But if it's taking where you want to go, then then okay. fine.
2: I think there's a bit of a continuum with this stuff. And like, I know I spoke to a, um, a startup and I won't mention too many details because they're, they're well known in the movement. Um, and one of their interests is fasting. And right. the whole company would fast for extended periods. And I said to them, I said, you know, in, I can't remember exactly the words I used, but, uh, you know, I'm a quite a tactful person with interviews. I sort of said, look, you know, um, I notice most of the people are male in your company do you have women. I know that women spend a lot of time worrying about the way they look and their body and what they eat. Um, and that could have, for, for a lot of women, very negative consequences. Fasting. Yeah. yeah, I could go into eat, disordered eating and things like that. Um, how do you mitigate this? You know, Particularly if you're in a company where it's seen as company culture to fast mm. and everyone's kind of egging everybody on. And I was really quite shocked when the person said to me, well, I never thought of that. It's
0: probably the manifestation of a whole, completely different problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this was someone who was
2: kind of, le- well, okay, I'll again phrase carefully, someone who thought they were a bit of a leader in the movement. So I was a little bit shocked to hear that this wasn't something considered because, you know, I see mental health as a key part of a lot of biohacking mm-hmm, Sure. and that something that should be, you know, good mental health should be monitored and maintained and encouraged in all people.
1: But why were they fasting? Were they fasting to lose weight and look shredded or?
2: No, for, they thought it increased their vitality um, and their ability to work, their clarity of thought and a few other reasons.
1: Well, no doubt, I mean, if it's done well, Got lots of benefits. Um, sure, getting rid of the um, rubbish from the body, autophagy, for instance, mm. um, detoxing, getting rid of fat, all kinds of things. Um, I actually think it's something you said in that
0: sentence, almost slightly contradicted something else you said, which I found okay. interesting. Mm, in sure. that, in that you said about the way women look, is is a, is I know I, mean, I perfectly understand. It's a constant source of angst for a lot of for a lot of women because of media and businesses and fashion and all these sorts of things but actually you said they were doing it to make themselves feel mentally more aware and there was no discussion of the way people looked so no
2: that you're not quite understanding me I was saying this company was doing it for those reasons.
0: Yeah. However, yeah.
2: There's, we know statistically that when women are encouraged to fast, it, goes, it can go very wrong. For example, you have programs like in Australia, we have the 40-hour famine where people are encouraged from a young school age to, to mm. fast for 40 hours. Um, you know, not, not a long period, but to, um, you know, solve world hunger by fasting and getting donations. Eighty percent of the participants are women, are young schoolgirls. Mm -hmm. Like women, from a young age, are rewarded for fasting and for, you know, abstaining and for regulating their bodies and their diet. All
0: right, okay. So I can see, you know, a few issues.
2: But that said, I mean, what you, I I think, what you're proposing is more of a, a considered positive, um, program where there's training involved, there's consideration, there's thought. It's not just jumping in and, you know. Being, um, someone
0: to guide you through a process yeah. is always good if it's yeah especially to do with fitness things because you can easily overdo it
2: and I think right. sometimes having someone else involved who's not <clears throat> you know in your immediate circle could be very helpful because they can <clears throat> see things that you may not see. You may have all this data and be able to to regulate you know okay, I know what um, how much I sleep and I know um, what happens if I do certain things or what have you or if i don't, um, but to get that insight, sometimes you need actual people from. You Know to see
1: another side of things, yeah. I mean, fundamentally, I think fasting is very helpful. <laughs> um, if you fast, it can drastically reduce your chances, for instance, of, of getting cancer, sure, because you can essentially clean out lactic acidosis, build up, um, uh, free radicals, all kinds of things. Uh, but you have to be careful with it because it's a stress to the body, which is why it's effective, but it can also. Cause a lot of stress to your adrenals. It can cause, well, temporarily, it can cause fertility issues with women. Um, And so there's 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 it has to be managed essentially. Mm. Um, But essentially, it's it's a um, a very healthy thing to be doing. It's something that we've been doing as humans for ages. I mean, forty hours is not really not really very long, no, no. It's like there's a lot of those kind of common numbers about
0: how long a human can survive without certain things and food is like three days like, no or even longer maybe but three days Oh it's like then
1: wait, wait really long yeah. you can um, survive a long time without food yeah. Okay
0: let's let's circle back to some kind of more practical uh, questions the first one would be I know you've already kind of said that <laughs> maybe you're not tracking the, the um, outcomes of your input as quantitatively as you could or should Sure but if, you, if someone were to ask you like devices or things like that mm-hmm. to, you would recommend for doing those sorts of things do you have any that come to mind that you would particularly recommend to
1: people um, I think a simple heart rate monitor is interesting like this is a Fitbit um, to see um, just how you respond really mm. and you can use this actually in a way to see what your sleep was like because if you slept for 8 hours and you look at what your heart rate was like you can see when you woke up and such. Um, it's quite obvious according to the heart rate. Yeah, okay. I would say. Um, um, let me think. Devices. Um, some kind of sleep tracking. Um, app. You can get apps or headsets or mm. something. There's one, I can't remember the name of course because I'm in the middle of a podcast. Um, we can add it later. There's a new one with a... with um, It's a new type of headphone which... Tracks your brainwaves. Mm. What's it called? Something like Tahoe? or
2: I think I know the one you mean.
1: Um, it's like two hundred quid. Um, anyway, so that that'd be good. Um, weight. I mean, it's not so weight that's interesting. I think it'd be good to track your um, your bone density and mm. your um, like using a Dexa, for instance, or your BMIs. So, um, so your you know your fat. A percentage of fat in your body just to compare to see how your diet's doing but very important is how you feel essentially mm,
0: Okay, so here's my final kind of possibly one or two depending if Kate wants to participate, no? I've got a question okay let's go for your question and then I think I've got a, a kind of rounding question
2: one thing I always ask people in biohacking because I talk to lots of people on different, different sides of it is is there something tr- that is not trackable at the moment that you would like to be trackable
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: It's a hard one. (laughs) Feel free to think about it and come back to us um, with that one.
1: Yeah, um, again, I'm in the middle of a podcast. I'm struggling to really think of it, to be honest, Mm. but loads of things all the time. Mm. None of them are coming to my mind right now.
2: Okay. You know what? The one that um, comes up a lot is blood to do with um, Um, the the blood. Um, And if you think of um, theratus, I think that's how you pronounce it, the startup company in Silicon Valley that um, we all know was a bit of a failure when it revealed that their testing was highly, <laughs> highly problematic and basically fraud. They were they were basically trying to make it so that any blood test could be um, done through a, a prick, fingerprint, mm-hmm. a bit like you would for diabetes. I would um, like that. Yeah. yeah, super fast results. Um, etc, etc. And I'll put a link to the whole debacle there for people to read it. It is an interesting okay. one.
0: Maybe we'll let people delve into that yeah. further. So my final okay, my final question from our side depending on um, what if Kate wants to participate, and you'll get it in a minute mm. and then one from you just wrapping up anything you want to tell people Okay, putting you completely on the spot here if we haven't enough already <laughs> <laughs> you know, with no kind of analysis or anything like that so one of the reasons I was sort of also interested in speaking to you is i as I'm got a bit older, I also do sometimes feel like there's a few things I could do better I'm not I would like to improve with the way I feel mm. so okay, take for example um the classic um like many other people, but especially for me when it gets a bit later in the afternoon, I start getting quite drowsy. sure is there a very obvious um, thing you would recommend for? Maybe fixing that. Or is it just having sleep? <laughs> this could be it. Um, some kind. Is there a biohacking solution that you can think of that might help with So that? you
2: mean like the 4pm blood sugar drop? Something like that, yeah.
1: Well, tell me, what do you um, eat for breakfast or lunch? And when do you do that?
0: Um, well, it varies, but generally breakfast is muesli, yoghurt, some fruit. Um, probably about 7.30, 8.00. Right. Lunch varies wildly but sometime about 12.31 um,
2: yeah. you eat pretty healthy though uh,
0: well sometimes
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what's, so what do you have for lunch because so far you've told me you carbs mm. Yeah, car- I mean, car- to... carb loaded breakfast
2: mm.
0: yeah I probably it would probably I think I think I know where you're going and I would probably say that lunch is probably not that much better So you
2: probably have burger or pasta or something don't you
0: so you're probably <laughs> I, I guess you're saying cut the carbs a bit
1: well if I ate like that um, I wouldn't be able to concentrate and I would also um, be feeling very tired yeah. Okay. mid-morning and mid-afternoon and that's okay. why I don't actually eat at all during the day. Yeah. No, I can understand that. But yeah. well, I have my massive bulletproof coffee with loads of butter in so that's has kind got of lots of fat energy and that works for me mm. but I used to get that every single day when I used to eat like a normal carby diet and I just didn't understand why. Yeah.
0: Okay, I think I'm asking simple one. Kate, do you have a particular thing that you'd like to get a very, very quick, un, un, uh, unguaranteed diagnosis? <laughs>
2: no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You're good Okay. okay. Thank
0: you, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, have there's, a, there's
1: all kinds of other right, right. potential inputs, but the fact that you've just told me you eat carbs for breakfast that puts your body in carb burning mode. Mm. Um, so essentially, your blood sugar is doing this all day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's an insulin yeah. glucose war. Yeah. Yep.
2: Related to that, I actually did the whole 30 for nearly 30 days. Um, and I found that really hard, actually. Breakfast was probably the hardest one because I don't eat eggs. Um, and you're eating so much meat. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when you're used to more of a vegan diet and there's loads of eggs, you're like, whoa. <laughs>
1: so, but are you still a vegan? No. No. I used to be vegan. Yeah. And I actually think that's how I first got adrenal fatigue. Because I didn't have the, so many so many things, yeah. um, particularly B vitamins. Mm. Um, and I only just realised that in the past few weeks actually, yeah. mm. if I think back to it. So veganism and then um, ketosis. Um, without my carb refeeds, so in the Bulletproof Diet we suggest about once every week or ten days you have a carb day where you carb refeed to make sure your adrenal gland for instance is supported. Mm. And your body's not too stressed, but then most of the time you'd be in a low carb diet and um, like under 150 grams a day or less, or 50 for mm. ketosis.
0: Okay. But so I, mean, I'm
1: a bit extreme though, so I didn't do the carb uh, Um because I feel so great normally. Like right now I feel really nervous because I'm on a podcast, yeah, of but um, I wasn't really respecting the um, the wisdom, shall we say, of the bulletproof diet. Whereas, mm so I need to be a bit more um, quantified about it
2: and the science behind it I guess yeah follow, the, follow what the science
0: says huh? so you, yeah. you, you've come on our podcast we've made you nervous yeah taken, no no
1: sorry. I'm making myself
2: take, <laughs> <we> take, <laughs> you, take,
1: you're lovely
0: you're take, incredibly we've eloquent. you have taken 50 minutes of your time on a public holiday so yeah, we do tell us
1: what you'd like to promote what are you up to what yes, would you please. like to tell people that you're working on well right now I've started a group here in Berlin called Biohacker Berlin which is how you guys found me mm. So that's the social thing, really.
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, and also we're going to be doing things like um, going to, I'm going to try and organize a group hyperbaric oxygen session. Oh, I really? don't know if I can manage that, but who knows? Group cryotherapy session. Yeah, cool. Um, we've got a bio- biohacking party on the 27th of April um, in collaboration with Better House. Which we're hoping to encourage Kate to speak at. Me? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> If you need a speaker, I could well,
2: consider it. Not a
1: speaker <laughs> as such. Um, but if there's something interesting to share, because it's going to be like a party atmosphere. I think it's
2: more an ing- it's a party, Chris, with more. So there are no it's point. A li- presentations yeah. and stuff. No, it's not really presentations.
0: Show some examples of. Anyway, like that, a hard.
1: So I'll I'll be there with um light, like, ozonating water, and giving it out. I'm go- I've got a ozonating machine coming from Australia. I'm going to be if I get the liquid nitrogen deli- delivered in time, I'll be doing liquid nitrogen ice cream oh, up, I'll, so I'll be doing okay. uh, <laughs> have you heard of get get some bulletproof get some ice cream mm. Yeah. Mm. so I'll be doing hopefully be doing that for people um, and there's going to be these guys called Sonorari with a sound massage chair oh
2: yeah,
1: oh, yeah. No. we're also going to be there this Saturday the 15th of uh, April at Simply Keto for our oh, yeah. social event great so I hope to see you there yeah uh, so that's what's going on and then when I get my biohacking set up Centre set up. I'll be doing um, all of these workshops, nutrition workshops, in my centre. So,
0: So how can people stay? Do you have a a website or a preferred social media profile or something where people can keep up to date with these these
1: activities? You can follow the Biohacker Berlin uh, Facebook group. That's Biohacker Berlin, not Biohackers Berlin. Um, Singular.
2: competition there because <laughs> oddly
1: there's another yeah. group but, but yeah, it's confusing it's confusing and very Monty Python um, mm-hmm. and um, BioMonkey Facebook page
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the BioMonkey website which has which is basically empty because it's all very new okay
0: excellent thank you very much for your time thank you my pleasure So Paul is still with us, and he's actually going to, because we're lucky enough to actually have someone in the uh, studio with us, and we even even have our friend Ginger over here. She's actually somehow stayed throughout the whole recording.
2: Say hello, Ginger. She
0: even likes... The stranger we have in the in the stu- in the studio, <laughs> we're going to talk through our um, topics of the, the week together. Paul had absolutely no idea what we talk about, but we'll we'll see. No how this idea, goes.
1: which is great. I feel much more relaxed because <laughs> I, like, yeah, no. I don't really feel like I have to um, participate, no. which means I probably will more
2: participate at will or or as little as you like. So
0: interestingly, uh, Kate joined me at one meetup, and I went to a second one yesterday. Um, there's a lot of interest at the moment in Berlin on voice interfaces and developing, designing, um, productizing for voice interfaces. We actually have an Echo over there, which we haven't set up yet, um, but we do have one. Um, and uh, both of the meetups we went to actually around more of the product side, the, the how to design products that work in voice interfaces. Yep. And we talked a little bit uh, in the last episode last week about um, voice voice interfaces for people who traditionally have not found computer interfaces quite so inclusive because they're visual or require dexterity that you weren't able to, to use. So voice interfaces is a really interesting space and we will probably talk much more about it over the next few months. But the first article kind of um, relating to this that uh, we've highlighted is, um, and it sort of manifested itself in a, apparently in a Daily Mail headline <laughs>
1: oh that would know, be pure gold then
0: which yeah. you don't normally believe See, but, it
2: must be true <laughs> but it
0: sparked an interesting an in, another interesting article on AI AITrends.com um, and it's something that I think has come up in the past too with uh, Siri I think can Alexa lie can voice uh, interfaces be made to to tell you things that aren't true to to spread False facts, And actually, one of the demos I saw last night kind of feeds into this a little bit. It wasn't a a voice interface, but it was an AI interface where it would ask you often false questions to eliminate things as well. So sometimes AIs actually ask you the wrong thing intentionally as well, which is kind of interesting. Can
2: you give an example from last night?
0: So um, it was basically just picking, you thought of an animal, and then it asked you questions and it tried to guess what the animal was. And so, for example, it would say, does it have stripes? Mm. And then it say, does it have black and white stripes? Which is a kind of if you followed the rest of the conversation, it was a bit irrelevant. But it's trying to eliminate mm. a zebra, obviously. Mm. You
2: know,
0: so it's sort of sometimes AI's have this tendency to ask questions that seem a bit strange, but it's actually because it's trying to eliminate something else. Yep. But this but actually it was your link anyway, Kate. So was there anything else more you wanted to add about can Alexa lie?
2: Yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, the if you missed the story, the storyline is actually. An interesting one is that a woman was sitting at her um, computer or in the kitchen, hanging out with Alexa or however you want you want to imagine it, and um, said, um, "What was it? Can the C- are you? Do you work for the CIA or can the CIA hear me? I think it says oh, yeah. in the article, but you just scroll. Are you connected to the CIA, Alexa? You know, I thought it was Siri, but okay, um, and." Um, The dot she was using didn't didn't answer. So (laughs) therefore people concluded from that that um, Siri or Alexa, whoever it was, must be connected to the CIA. Um, But look, the reality with this is um, it denotes a level of thinking that AI device, home devices or home automated devices, however you want to put them, don't have. They don't have this much natural language language processing skills. It's basically when you ask a question, you're putting a request to an algorithm that will try and collect results based on the words that you've said. And when they say things like, I do not know the answer to that or I can't tell you, it's because they don't have the information on hand. But that said, um, like you said, there is certainly um, capacities for false questions. And false answers and it depends where the information is garnered from mm. that's one of the issues
0: it's a very interesting space i find at the moment because it's very
1: new and mm.
0: no one really has any answers yet
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. so i'm, I'm gonna ask you a stupid question because no, this is not my field we don't have any but, stupid
2: questions here but
1: does alexa alexi um, alexa, alexa,
2: yeah
1: does she know though if there's like a back door f- to the cia will she know you know, she, I say she, <laughs> like, but like a does, does the algorithm or the program oh. or whatever actually know that? Exactly. I mean, I don't even know, have a clue how it works, but. Um... Does it, well, does the programmer let it know? This is a whole yeah. other ethical question around what
0: do you tell your algorithm? It's, it's very new territory. Like mm. Alexa or the, 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 the Echo, no, I think it's Alexa. Alexa is the frame, is the, is the, is the system, is very new. It's less than two oh. years old Super and new. was pretty much beta when it was released. And it's very early days. Very, very early days. And it's interesting, but there's gonna be a lot of mistakes yet.
2: And so. I might add, um, if you read my writing you probably know I'm i I'm more of an Amazon home fan than Amazon um, Home. Google sorry, Home. Sorry, Google, Google Home. home or Amazon. <laughs> I was thinking of both <laughs> that much of them. Of a fan, eh? <laughs> I was thinking of both of them at once and comparing them in my brain. Um yeah, look, because I think you think of some of the bodies that um Google is associated with, you know, from buying DeepMind to all kinds of stuff, um, and you know they've their progressions with language processing through their Google Translate, some of the other stuff they're working on behind the scenes um, with Google X. I think they've, you know, certainly shown that they're putting the energies and the efforts into um, home automation. And whilst there aren't as many products connected to Google Home as Alexa. I think that's going to be... They are, they are more
0: mature. It's interesting, yeah. actually, one of the presenters I saw at one of the meetups, and I, I don't want to kind of just sound like I'm bad-mouthing them, so no, I won't no, be no, more no. specific, um, kind of was a little uh, said that this is all very new territory. And actually, like Google, you're correct, Google Home is new, mm. but Google Voice Interaction has existed for a long time. You've right. to do it on Android for yeah, quite a while. Yeah, that's a good point. And a woman I was speaking to last night said, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. And I was just thinking, like, what do you mean you've been doing it for 20 years? It, voice automation systems customer service systems it's not new Mm, it's mm. not new technology it's just a lot faster now that's all
2: and the thinking elements as well
0: yeah those systems you all hate say (laughs) yes now yes do not yeah (laughs) etc and the guy even played a joke video from the uh, Deutsche Bahn apparently in the 80s or 90s tried to make a phone line we could order tickets that's right and this guy had an accent and it was it was yeah he was getting absolutely nowhere with it but
1: (laughs) well because we're all in germany right now so the german voice automation phone calls like it's so frustrating when um they say say yes or no and you say like yeah or whatever and then you know in some kind of foreign accent and they say you did not give the correct answer and it's really annoying oh, because it. it's not like I, I did give the credit answer but you didn't understand it <laughs> yeah. and that's so German to criticise yeah. the, the customer. Yeah. Like the make customer it our fault. The customer is
2: wrong. Yeah. The customer is totally
1: wrong it's in Germany. So true. The, customer the customer is a douchebag. The customer is not king. That was
0: actually a great segue going from customer to king um, and uh, it leads very, very nicely to the next topic a little bit more jovial side mm. of what we're just talking about and one of the uh the issues that com- often comes up on tech podcasts is when you're talking about these sorts of devices, you're triggering them. And there's been lots of examples of people doing this intentionally and unintentionally. And this uh, manifested itself and came to a head last week in an ad- advert from Burger King. There's the King reference. Uh, I'm just going to play it so we can all hear it. We're not going to be able to see it. Paul's not going to be able to see it. There's not you can much hear to see. It. But you can watch it yourself as well. Let's see. Oh, it's 15 seconds.
2: Oh, too Unfortunately, not enough time to explain all the fresh ingredients in the Whopper sandwich. But I got an idea. Okay, Google, what is the Whopper burger?
0: Actually, I actually think that's quite clever. <laughs> and in and case, actually, that's actually yeah, quite clever I think. In case it's you not know,
2: obvious, the idea is that your um, Google Home device will respond appropriately and tell you what is in the Whopper burger, which it actually does in the, the video I saw. But the um, thing I find
0: interesting, because uh, I, I don't, I don't actually see what problem Google would have with it, but they shut it down.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, part of the problem was actually was actually Google that shut it down. Yeah, that's what, yeah, yeah. Um, Part of the problem was firstly the data, the information was coming from Wikipedia, and people had edited, hacked, or edited, or whatever you want to call it, Wikipedia's um, the the Whopper page or the Hungry Jack's page, or whatever they're called, Burger King page. Sorry, they're different names, different countries. Um, To say things like, you know, um, it's got rats in it (laughs) and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, (laughs) yeah, and you know, there have been some really, really funny cases where people have had things unwantedly ordered on the um, on their automated device, whether it's, you know, there's a young girl saying she wanted a doll's house. And so therefore, they got a doll's house sent to them. There was another one where whenever they discussed this story, people ended up getting doll's houses ordered through their their automated devices. We're going to
0: have... uh, So it's interesting because when people talk about hacking, you often think of these very complicated sorts of... Well, we've been talking about hacking in other ways already in the episode, Mm. but sometimes the most successful form of the negative hacking, black hat hacking, Mm. is social hacking, is... Bypassing, There's actually some, uh, I think a German university announced this week that um, they could hijack a computer through scanning um, hard drive
2: lights. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, that. You
0: could have a firewall, yeah. you could have uh, virus protectors, and somehow by detecting the blinking light of a hard drive, you could actually access something somehow. Wow. I'm not even sure how. But, you know, and but something yeah. like this, an ad which isn't even directly connected to your device can still achieve and affect you.
2: The other side of it is that we do all have and are gradually be growing our slew of connected devices in our home and some of these will be more your automated or your voice activated devices and there's a number of them being marketed for the kitchen so things like um, ovens that will talk to your refrigerator um, refrigerators that can order food for you when they detect that something's run out um, your uh, I don't know, your your stove top or your um, your heater that that cooks your you know your fr- connects to your fr- smart fry pan detects that you need salmon, so it will order the salmon. But foreseeably, when you think how many connected devices, like you think just let's pick a product, say milk. Um, you might have a connected kettle, you might have a connected um, refrigerator, you might have a connected um, I don't know hot water system. Blah 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 blah. Um, you could foreseeably have all these devices ordering you stuff hmm. because they detect that something's empty.
0: Or or someone just plays a YouTube ad and your fridge orders uh, something for you. Without yeah. you, wanting to. So, you know, <laughs> but you're
2: going to have a problem. Uh, and then, there's, of course, there's the recycling bins that also yeah. can connect your rubbish and reorder it that way. I don't know. So you could foreseeably have a problem of having you know six litres of milk.
0: This actually comes back to what we were talking about earlier, Paul. I mean, could you see uh, or have you already seen you know the... Um, the potential of someone is trying a um, uh, a biohack and a, a sensor that they're using says you don't have enough blood sugar mm. and without them even knowing it orders them something they need you know do you think that gets going taking it too far
1: well no i was just thinking the same thing what I would like you asked me earlier on what would i like to see that could be monitored mm. and the truth is everything i would like all of my markers to be measured so that i could see oh you know what i am down on b6 i'm gonna eat some like um spirulina or Mm. whatever um but there's an app called chronometer which you you manually enter the food you eat and it tells you what you've not had enough of so you can imagine a scenario where that app was connected to your fridge or whatever and then they ordered you some more salmon or whatever but it's getting a bit far but um Mm. Um, but I would like an app where you don't have to manually enter all the food
2: absolutely because
1: that is a pain in the ass and you don't do it after a while <coughs> so I want something that you can uh, this is what I want voice recognition say hey Alexa or whoever um, I'm eating salmon I'm eating about 300 grams I'm, eat- I'm I'm having about 20 grams of oil or whatever and she, and she just toss it all up and then says hey Paul you're, you're putting your adrenals in at risk or whatever and you need to eat this that would be cool. Doesn't, so actually, doesn't exist. Actually in some respects a lot of the connected devices are
0: too smart in the wrong places, maybe. <laughs>
2: you know what, there is actually a product related to what you said. Um, there is a couple of things. There's an app now that you can take photos of your food and it will come up with the calorie content. And there's a smarter one that Really? Is actually yeah. Does, Does it, it actually work though? I've never used it. I couldn't be bothered taking the photos, (laughs) Um, but the other one that I spoke to the company making it—it's basically a um, a little looks like a little plate. It's actually a scale, so it's able to weigh your food to get the correct measurements. So the idea is you put the plate on it, um, weighs your food, you take a picture of your food. Oh, cool! um, And what actually happens is because they use AI, um, and there's a little video that goes with it, so Mm. I won't go into it too much. But it basically is able to distinguish the different types of food on the plate. You can say how they're cooked. Um, but of course, once you've put them in once, it recognises them again. So you're not oh, constantly having cool. to say I had okay, you know, mushrooms for breakfast or whatever. Um but they they use it their aim of using it is for people that are dieting or want, you know, have to maintain their what they eat. And it's yeah. Um it seems to be quite good. They've had a lot of interest from um Hondas. they're based in germany let's let's
0: push on to our next set of links um yep. again a nice segue well done congratulations we're doing very well with the segues here very good. Or maybe my brain is just awake thinking of potential segues um so we've talked a little bit here about connectivity um and maybe too much of it but the other aspect of this and i don't know if we need to have a particularly big discussion on this because i think this could be an entire episode in itself and it is not um, the first time this has been talked about. But there's an article here on the Atlantic from last week about um, uh, loneliness begetting loneliness—the kind of the the feeling that because everyone is much more connected, that we're all much more satisfied and happy. And it possibly couldn't be furthest from the truth. Firstly, because um, um, it's not the the right sorts of connections, maybe. Um, But uh, also it was feeding into the aspect of uh, cities. And this is another interesting thing that comes up. I mean, uh, I've always lived in a big city. You've mostly Mm -hmm. lived in a big city. Me too, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Sheffield too is is a big city too. And often um, they can be quite lonely places. And it's the kind of an article that looks at that side of things as well. Just because you have 8 million people around you doesn't actually make you feel any more connected to any single one of them. In fact, it can sometimes feel worse, especially again in this kind of hyper connected world where we always feel like we're missing out on something. Um, especially when there's a lot happening. If there's nothing happening, there's nothing to miss out on. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. Did you did you read this in, did you have time to read this in I the did. End? I did what really. did you think?
2: Um, look, I the, the main thing I took out of it was they were, they were actually talking not so much about people that being alone as in people being spending time alone, which I actually like to do. I find it's it is something that is sustaining. It's it's a healthy thing for me to do, um, but it was about people. It was more about people being lonely in a crowd. That kind of idea that you may have lots of social um, opportunities. You've got a partner. You've got friends. You've got family, but you still feel lonely. And it gave some some suggestions. at sort of at the end, and um, I got the impression it was also sort of pushing a, a program that had been instigated in the UK, looking at. At this as a problem, particularly in older people, where which you know is a little bit different to the type of alone downtime I'm proposing. Mm. It was more people, older people who may not see anyone for days. You know? I found it interesting. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts on it?
0: Uh, I think I think the feeling lonely in a crowd sometimes. As you know, I like to go out a lot, mm. but I often am sat there feeling lonely. In fact, you sometimes feel more lonely in mm. a crowd than mm. you do at home because. Uh, when you're just at home alone there's no one to feel jealous of (laughs) when you're (laughs) when you're feeling lonely in a crowd you feel like why is no one talking to me what's wrong with me and stuff like that so actually
2: but you know what i i also wondered um how much of it is about social etiquette how much of it and and this is actually something i'd be interested to do a, um, a talk on and maybe get some people in to discuss because i often think of like if you give the example of, like, going to lots of social events, how many, how often do you go to a social event and either you get – you'll be talking to a group of people and they all leave en masse to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. So you stand there on your own going, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they suddenly everyone gets their phones out and starts doing things on their phones. Yeah. Or you even – you know, I, I'm thinking of Berlin, a lot of us, the events here, the startup events. Um, people don't have as many skills, perhaps, in networking – so they often just don't talk to people so much.
0: Tech people are infamously uh... <laughs> socially <laughs> so, yeah.
2: awkward. I think this is certainly an area where we could do, you know, a, an interesting chat about the whole thing um, as a standalone topic because it is yeah, quite exactly, fascinating. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'd like maybe to we'll propose it for a couple of weeks. Knowledgeable than us. Yeah. Here's,
0: here's, I'm going to propose one more link and I, I think you might, I think maybe you might have maybe more to say on, on this poll, I'm not sure. It ties a little bit back to what we were talking last week about the elderly, the robots for the elderly. Mm. Um, and Robotics. It was just... Ro- okay, right, robotics. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, because robots
2: suggest just like one... Robot. All right, okay, okay. That's
0: all. Um, and I guess this interesting aspect I find always of technology ending up being more useful to a different group of people than you initially thought. Mm. And this was the um, article that you uh, suggested again mm. on AI Trends. Mm. You've, you've liked that website a lot this week. I do, I do. Uh, about um, self-driving cars uh, actually being a boon industry for elderly people yeah. who can't drive anymore. So, mm.
2: Yeah, look, it, it looked at... It was quite a good article um, because it looked at both sides of it. Um... The first idea was the notion that, oh, we've got older people that are less mobile. Maybe they can't drive, whether it's for health or for...
1: Safety reasons. Yeah, I was trying to do a nice
2: way to say that. Degenerative reasons. Um, So therefore, the idea being, well, self-driving cars, they can just pop in this car and, you know, off they go. Um, And then you kind of broke it down a bit and they said, hang on, how do they get in the car? A lot of these people have mobility issues that means, you know, they can't put their leg over a, I don't know, Put, put their leg up to get up on a step or whatever, you, however you configure it, um, and then it said, "Well, you know, hang on. This is why traditionally a lot of older people have used either disability taxis or chauffeurs if they're at a different financial level, or had, of course, neighbours or friends or what have you to drive them places because they need someone to help them get in and out of the car." Um, but then it goes a step further because firstly it says, "Okay, we could let's let's look at this. Let's pull this apart a bit." OK, if that's the problem, there could be someone that could do those jobs, someone that gets people in and out of cars. Um, you could even have someone, arguably, who's not actually a driver but sits in the car and makes sure the person's OK. But the more interesting part of it, to me, which is something I've written about before, BMW is actually working on a, um, a project at the moment where cars are embedded with sensors and these sensors are able to detect the health of the passengers in the car. Um, at the mo- you know, they can use it for passengers or for drivers. And so it might, it might change the music in the car if they feel you're being stressed. Or if you're falling asleep, it may change the temperature. The seat may give you a massage. I'm not sure if I like these recommendations.
0: Um, I tend to listen to very loud, aggressive music when I'm stressed because it makes me feel better. Okay. So I know people are different. But it also
2: suggests, and this is, this is one I'm a big fan of because it's something I've read a lot about in other ways. The idea being that if it can also monitor your physiological health, it can detect if the person in the car is unwell and does that mean a self-driving car could drive you to the hospital? <laughs> that would be pretty cool, oh, right? Wow. How cool would that be?
1: That's great. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. this ties into your last topic because yeah. um, well, a lot of the issues with old people is social, uh, social isolation. right? Yeah. So, you know, um, contact with people who drive them places and stuff, you know, may be sadly some of the only contact they get. That's, so, that's that, could, that could be a shame to yeah, remove that. That's a very good point. Um,
2: this is the so, issue, right? Pros and cons there, I suppose. Yeah. And, and let's bear in mind, I mean, these, these self driving cars are going to take a while, mm. you know. Uh,
0: okay. And the final article I wanted to mention here, again, sort of feeding into this technology, popping up, not where you expect it, but in a different way um and also i mean not wanting to get political right now but, uh, <laughs> but one of the one of the things i thought would be potentially interesting outcome positive outcome of mm-hmm. the kind of trump pro america um policy would be that other parts of the world became stronger especially europe um, i haven't quite seen it yet it's not been very long to be fair but one area that is definitely uh benefiting, I think <laughs> in ways that maybe we didn't think is, is China um, and not that China has needed much help encouraging itself and obviously this stuff is, is, is it's not new, it hasn't been happening in the past three months but um, I especially have found it interesting to see where innovation is coming next, like the US has generally been on top of innovation for various reasons where is it coming from next and we often think of China especially as just being a place that makes our crap for us and makes our ideas mm. but they actually have a lot of their own
2: yeah and this is do. an
0: article in the economist unfortunately it uses as its measure uh patent applications hmm. uh, you've got to have something as a measure i suppose i wouldn't necessarily use patent registrations as the best reliable measure of innovation but let's just go with it um and how in the past uh, eight years since sort of 2008 china is has almost caught up with Japan and is very, very close on the tail of America, and especially Shenzhen. Yeah. So Shenzhen, which is, which is infamous for kind of an area being where stuff is made, lots of factories. Mm, I've ordered stuff Yeah. From there. Is fast becoming a place where actually not only are they making our ideas, they're actually making a lot of their own ideas now. Absolutely. Um, and I found it super interesting. I would say just... Just read more in detail into it, but we've also heard this I think from someone we spoke to recently who was mentioning this too
2: a lot of people oh no, it
0: was the guy we met on Tuesday who the German guy who was in China South yeah. Asia think yeah he was mentioning this too, and this was open source stuff which again is 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 a different a different mm. aspect um, just how interesting China is right now um, it 's a hard place to to access, but there's a lot of interesting things happening there in in many ways that we're not always um, um, conscious of I find it very interesting just to see where the next hotbeds are going to be
2: yeah there's some super good um, documentaries on Shenzhen um, in particular Um, it may have been Motherboard or Vice that did it I can't quite remember but I'll find it and link to it because it's a super good documentary and you know like one of the people I write for Nextback they're based in Shenzhen so you know I get a little look there and additionally there's also a super good um, incubator there for hardware. There's quite a few, yeah. There's a, yeah. There's a number of them, but this one's particularly good. It's really well known for getting people's products out there called Hacks. Hacks. Um, That's it. Yeah. I just found it. There oh, it's the it? <laughs> oh, okay. Just scroll past yeah. it. Yeah. But they actually, you know, the, the, if you if you look up the um, the products, they're all people that have successfully mm. funded, kickstarted. Um, they've done white Combinators. they they've you know, companies that are successful. Some are Americans. From the valley or whatever. But and, and ones based already in, in China, like um like next back.
0: Paul, where would you like in the areas that you're familiar in, mm-hmm. where would you say is, is a is a place to place or a company or a, a group of ideas to watch out for, for kind of that are really doing some more interesting thinking.
1: Well, I mean, where we're sat right now actually, to be honest.
2: Um in, yeah
1: I mean I work in Better House and every Thursday we have a a pit startup pitching Thing called Better Breakfast. They run things called Hardware Labs, where people like try and I don't know exactly what it is, but people mm. design things together or cool. something like that. I don't really know how it works to be honest, because I'm not a technology person.
2: Mm.
1: There's loads going on. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. It seems to be a bit of a hub, I would say.
2: That's great.
0: The um, so they call this the Silicon Delta in Shenzhen. I think Berlin is the, the uh, Silicon Alley, which. LA. Yeah. Yeah. LA. basically just means street. It's not really a concrete area. We could call well, you know, that whole area around Beta House is a roundabout, but then uh, old street in London claims silicon roundabout. Yeah. So what could be silicon silicon And you've got
2: over a hundred co working spaces in Berlin so but you've what's, got what's all a very of...
0: Berlin location that we
2: could Silicon Silicon A
0: Especially
2: for the un- uninitiated is like a late night um shop where you can buy you know like a Seven um, Eleven or convenience store you can buy you know lots of alcohol but also and <laughs> <fun. A> no- <laughs> nothing healthy snacks that you would consume with alcohol
0: <laughs> maybe Christmas. some uh, couscous once in a while if you're lucky yeah it's about it um, yeah, a bit
2: hard if you're doing the no wheat I yeah think. No okay. wheat, no sugar.
0: so just wrapping up kate um what articles have you written this week that have been published that you would like uh, people to go out and read
2: um, an old one kind of resurfaced that I forgot I wrote about, which is always a nice thing when you know something's been sitting there and comes to be published, which was about bone conduction used in wearable tech. Um, there's a range of products at the moment where the bones in your face um, are used as a conduit for sound as opposed to the ear. And you've got things from headphones to sunglasses that can play music. Um, you've got a little device that looks like a James Bond That you know attaches to your finger, to and then you touch your your face to be able to make phone calls. There's a range of different ways this technology is being used. I'll hasten to add this isn't this is quite an old old technology. It's believed that is it Beethoven that was the composer that was deaf. Yeah, he used to use bone conduction as a means to um, hear when he was he was conducting. And a lot of the devices what what they do is they um they they enable that you can. I can wear, say, a pair of sunglasses that's got music on them, music on them, like the Zungle the ones, and no one else can hear the music except me because they're attached to my face. So it's really quite cool stuff.
0: Any other articles? Is that the main one this week?
2: Oh uh, uh, there is, but I can't remember what it is. Okay,
0: <laughs> and two for me this week. I had uh, again one that I wrote a little while ago that finally got published. Was my article "The Realities of Being a Digital Nomad," which especially was focusing a little bit more on now as I am on the downward side of my 30s or the upward side, depending how you look at it. Um,
2: you know what, Chris? I think we should also do a show on that.
0: Okay, but just just have a read of the article. It's kind of mm. more talking about what starts to happen if you've lived in a few countries and haven't yeah. had any solid roots when you start thinking about pension plans and health insurance and things like that, yeah. the kind of more pragmatic stuff. Um, that was on Invato as a new outlet for me. And also, on the complete other end of the spectrum, I, my art, one of my articles for D-Zone this week was uh, <laughs> JVM-free Kotlin. And if that means anything to you, you'll be very excited and you could just look into it. But have a look on D-Zone. Um, Paul, thanks for joining us. My one pleasure. last time, tell us about your event at the end of the month.
1: So there's a biohacking party uh, uh, in collaboration with Better House. So there's going to be organic beer, which is not really healthy, but it's healthier. Um, there's going to be um, ozonated water hopefully liquid nit- nitrogen ice cream possibly um, some ketone- ketogenic guy from a, a low carb cafe is going to be there mm. music there's going to be sound massage therapy all body um, sound so we're going to plug in the sound system through to a system which will vibrate your own whole body which has all kinds of interesting um, impact which is quite biohackery you put guys might quite like that so it's just going to be a fun, a fun social yep. thing Rest Come along come
2: to that uh, on our um, podcast this week Great. so Excellent. all the information will be there and we will share it on our social media as well so
0: this has been Chris and Kate and Paul uh, for another episode of Guggerish Mammal Podcast and we will see you, we will see you next week